There, we're going to take our Bibles to Acts chapter 15. Acts chapter 15. Acts chapter 15, moving along. And uh, we'll review for a couple minutes where we've been the past couple of weeks here. And then dive into new stuff tonight. Acts chapter number 15. And we finish up the chapter tonight. And we will be looking at some thoughts here and we'll be seeing in all reality, I believe, the greatest missionary combo ever in Paul and Barnabas split up in this passage. And in all reality, after all that has taken place in this chapter, and we see the fact that at the beginning of the chapter, there was a dispute in the church there in Antioch about circumcision, is what it came down to. And there were Jews that said to these Gentiles, unless you're circumcised like we are, then uh, you can't be saved. That was what the argument was. And so the church at Antioch sent, and Paul was in that, Barnabas, they sent them back to the church in Jerusalem to get some advice from them. And so we remember they get there and they tell what the Lord has done. And they also bring this before, and we know James is there as he's pastoring the church in Jerusalem. And they bring to the church there in Jerusalem this question. And I think that's an awesome thing that they had a church and they had wise counselors they could go to to get advice to help them. I also, you know... We don't need denominational boards and churches and things like that and have a hierarchy of a denomination. Like I know a friend of mine here in town, he would not be the same denomination we are. He's a chaplain with me. He's getting ready to retire. And the way that it works is they need to find a new pastor for their church there. Well, the church doesn't really get the say. The denomination decides that, and that's how it works. And so there's actually another guy that's willing to their church doesn't have a building. He's willing to change denominations and his church merge with them. But he's going to have to go through all these classes to get approved by the denomination to even be accepted. And in all reality, the denominational head, they know nothing about what's going on in Chino. And they technically have their chapter leaders. And their chapter leaders don't know what's going on in Chino. He's got all of California as his chapter that he's over. There are a lot of churches there. And I would tell you, what, who knows best what a church needs? Not someone who's never there and a part of it. The church members that God has placed within the church, they should be the ones to figure that out. And that's the way God intended it to be. And, but I also believe, and we see here, this is a great example of where sometimes things come up, and it is good to go get good godly counsel on things. There have been things that have happened here, pastoring here, Several times that I've gone to some of the men in our church and I've said, hey, I've got this issue. Help me. Give me some advice on what you think. I've also got some pastors that I call. And through the years, it's changed in a lot of different things. But it's good. And we see that James was able to help them. And really all James did is he heard what Paul says. He hears what Peter had to say. He looked at what the word of God in the book of Amos said. And he said, leave them alone. They don't have to be circumcised. Look at what the Bible says. Follow what the Bible says and move forward. They go back and the church moves forward. And that's an awesome thing. Because a lot of times what happens in churches is we don't deal with the issues that come up. And if we don't deal with things, we just think they're going to magically go away. 
It's not how it works. Marriage is the same thing. If I just don't say anything, it's just going to get better. It's not how it works. The church needs to deal with these things. And when things come up in our church, we deal with them when they come up. Someone in our church asked me, I think it was a week ago or maybe even today, it was sometime recently. People talk to me a lot, and I can't, I'm getting to the age where I'm starting to forget what people say to me and what I've said to people. And then I'm repeating myself, and I'm like, now I know how you all feel, but I got a long time since I was supposed to be doing that. But they say you are who you hang around, and just look in this room, and that shows why I'm getting where I'm getting to. And so, but um, they said, Pastor, you, a while back you had that family meeting. Did that solve that problem? Yeah, it did. I don't think we got that same problem today. Are there other problems that appear? Yeah, but you deal with them. You have to. Am I a person that likes to just deal with all that? No, I'm not. I'd rather just let it go, but you got to deal with things. The church did, and it's a good thing that they did, and we see now that they're going to move forward for the Lord and press on, and the church moves on. They got past it. What did they do when they got past it? Look at chapter 15, verse 36. And some days after Paul said unto Barnabas, let us go again and visit our brethren in every city where we have preached the word of the Lord and see how they do. And Barnabas determined to take with them John, whose surname was Mark. If you remember John Mark, he, did not, he didn't make it through the first journey. He turned back. But do you also remember what took place during that first journey? There was stonings that took place. There was persecution that took place. And before you and I this evening in our room would be too hard on John Mark for going back, I have a feeling a lot of us would do the same thing. And I am grateful. And in this passage, I want you to know tonight, I am in no way an expert Christian to tell you who was right here, Paul or Barnabas. I personally, in the way I minister, I would be on Barnabas' side on this one because that's how I minister. I would give him a second chance. And where you draw the line on that and who's right and who's wrong, I'm just glad they kept going forward for God, both of them. In all reality, this could have ended their ministries right there, but it didn't. Paul kept going. Not only did Paul keep going, Barnabas kept going because someone ministered to John Mark and all of a sudden, by the end of Paul's life, John Mark was profitable. And I am glad, and I think, I think John Mark would say he was grateful for a man like Barnabas in his life. In all reality, Paul was very grateful for a man like Barnabas. Because when no one wanted to hear from Paul when he got saved, the one who came to his side was Barnabas. And in all reality, if we could emulate, number one, we should be emulating Christ in our lives. But I think it would do every Christian well to follow the example of Barnabas and be there and help encourage and move other people towards the things of God. And even when people give up on certain people, and we all do at times, I'm grateful God doesn't give up on us. Does God ever give up on things? I think there comes a point with salvation where God does, but it's not my job to figure out when he does that. My job is just to witness. There are a lot of people that say, well, they've been given over. You don't know who's been given over to anything. You just share the gospel with anyone and everyone because God so loved the world he gave his son. That means everyone needs the gospel. As we look here tonight, we keep reading. It says, And Barnabas determined... 
to take with them John, whose surname was Mark. But Paul thought not good to take him with him, who departed from them from Pamphylia and went not with them to the work. And the contention was so sharp between them that they departed asunder one from the other. And so Barnabas took Mark and sailed unto Cyprus. And Paul chose Silas and departed, being recommended by the brethren unto the grace of God. And he went through Syria and Sicilia, confirming the churches. We see the church also took Paul's side in the matter and sent him. It's a tough one. Because both of these men did a lot in this church. And in all reality, you look and you think about this, they just get done dealing with issues. And now another issue comes right along. And may I just tell you, that's what church is all about. There'll be issue after issue. If you're looking for a perfect church where there's never going to be an issue, then you and I shouldn't join it. The only time this church doesn't have an issue is when all of us aren't in this building. Then it doesn't have an issue. Well, this building's old. It still has issues. It will always have issues. But I want to take a little bit of time tonight. I want to look at these verses. I want to apply them tonight to our lives and to our hearts and talk about a church that moves on. In the midst of adversity, in the midst of what's going on, in the midst of problem after problem, they just move on with the gospel. Who's right with the Paul and Barnabas thing? I'm not going to go into all that tonight. We're just going to look at what they did and see what happens. You know, I believe it's very important that we finish well when it comes to what God has for us. I've known many a pastor and many a church that starts well, and then they fizzle out by the end. And it's amazing a lot of times we'll look at people, and I can think of people in my own life, pastors that I've been under, and pastors that I, I think, think of pastors I've been under, that literally had made some wrong choices on things. And no one today looks back at all the good that they did. All they look at is the bad that they did. And that happens a lot. Because the end of something, people, that's what we remember. But I want you to also realize we are all human. We make mistakes. And it's never, you cannot justify sin. And it might disqualify someone. I get all of that. But I also want you to realize tonight we are human. And when you look at the one who could judge everyone, God, when he talks about David in the New Testament, he doesn't talk about the adulterer and the murderer and the prideful man that numbered the people. He talks about the man after his own heart. That's how God looks at us. It would do us much better to look at people the way God looks at them. That doesn't mean you need, don't, shouldn't be careful with things. But I think in this instance with Paul, if Paul would have had a little bit more compassion in him and realized, look at where I came from and where I am. John Mark, he did turn back. But we also see later on he was used of God. Sometimes we give up and we look at people and we see different things. But the thing that I want to do in my life, and I'm, I know, I'm 38, Lord willing, I'll be able, I would love to, I'd love to pastor, my prayer is, if the Lord allows it, I'd love to pastor 50 years. I'm going on 13. If it's not 50 years, it's whatever the Lord would have. 
I believe this is what God's called me to do. I know there will come a day where uh, my sentences won't make sense and I might be repeating the same story over and over again. And there has to be a time where you realize it's time to stop too. And that's one of my prayers that when that day comes, I will know when to stop. Because many a pastor doesn't know when to stop. And the people love them so much, they don't want them to stop, but then the whole church suffers because the stopping doesn't happen. I want to finish better than what I start. The Lord deserves it. The Lord deserves it. And I would say over the past 13 years, there's been great moments. There's been moments I wish I'd go back and change. But I'm trying to move forward, and I want to finish. I want to be able to look like, and Paul, Paul's a great example of this. I don't think Paul could look at the beginning of his career and say, I'm proud of what I did for the Lord. He couldn't. But he says, I'm going to forget those things and I'm going to move forward for God. And at the end of his life, he said, I have finished my course. I've kept the faith. That's what each one of us should desire, that we finish what God's called us to do. And that's my desire and I hope it's your desire. But we look here tonight at this church, they just move on. It's a good thing. We need to move on. We need to keep moving forward for God. I mentioned this morning when it comes to our Christian growth, there is none of this where you stay stagnant. You're either moving forward and growing or you're going backwards. Let me give you a little thought here. Church work is no different. There's no such thing as a stagnant church. You're either growing, and that doesn't have to be numbers. That can be spiritually and things like that, or you're moving backwards. There is no coasting. It's not the way God designed it to be. You and I can coast when we get to be in heaven with him forever. That's the time to coast. As we look here tonight, I want to give you several thoughts, and we'll get done tonight. As we start out here, number one, we see Paul's passion. We see that Paul has a passion to do the things of God. And we look here tonight, look with me at verse number 36. And some days after Paul said to Barnabas, let us go again and visit our brethren in every city where we have preached the word and see how they do. And as we look here tonight and as we dive into it, we see letter A, the fact that his passion to go again. Now just think with me tonight. The fact that he even wanted to go again. Do you remember what we've read about that happened on the first journey? I would be like, I'm good. I'll just stay here and minister here. You want me to do a Bible study here? You want me to preach right here? I'll stay right here and I'm fine. He was basically killed. They thought he was dead. Persecuted. It was, not the, it, it was great the results and what God did and God's power was there. But what Paul and Barnabas endured was not great. In a couple weeks, I'm going to be going to Mexico for a small little missions trip for a couple days. I pray it goes better than what Paul's journeys did in the realm of my personal safety and things like that. Now, I, you couldn't get better results than what took place and what God did, and I want God all over it. But I, if I were Paul this time, I would be a little bit like... Um, I don't know, but Paul's the one that says after some days, let's go again. Let's go do this. And as we look at Paul and we think about this, why would Paul do this? Paul had suffered a great deal. He was stoned. He was left for dead. There were hardships, all of these things. But some of the reasons I believe that Paul would even want to go again and do that, first of all, number one, is because of God's love. 
And may I just remind you tonight that we should have a passion for the things we do for the Lord. People have passion for all sorts of things, don't they? They have passions for their spouse. They have passion for their favorite teams. They have passion for their boat. They have passion for whatever the case may be. Do you as a child of God have a passion tonight to do the things of God? I worry for the people of God that don't have any passion for the things of God. You'll have passion for everything else. But the things of God, no, I, I just can't. And Paul says, I don't care about my personal safety. I don't care what I get out of this. I'm going to go and do this, and I'm going to serve God. Why? Because of God's love. And I want you to know tonight, as you serve God, I heard a while back in our youth group, I mentioned, why do you do what you do? Why do you serve God? Why do you go to church? Why do you read your Bible? Why do you do these things? And some of the, some of the kids that were there and young adults, some of the answers were shocking to me. Like, well, I fear God. Fear that God won't be happy with me if I don't. Really? I think the number one reason we should have passion for God and the reason why we should serve God, the reason you should go to church, the reason you should tell someone about the Lord, the reason you should read your Bible is because of God's love and what he's done in your life. Isn't that what Paul said in 2 Corinthians 5, verse 14 and 15? For the love of Christ constraineth us. It's what drives me. And tonight, what should drive you in your Christian life to be a better Christian? What should drive you to grow in the Lord? What should drive you to do more for God should be the fact that God loved you enough that he sent his only son to die for you. And because of that, if God could give everything up for me and love me the way he does, I can serve him. See, tonight, the reason I serve the Lord is not because of fear of God. And I fear God. I do. And it is good to have a healthy fear of God for all of us here tonight. And a reverence for God. But tonight, the reason I do what I do is because I love the Lord. Just talking the other day to a family member of mine. And we were talking. And he's doing some side work for somebody. And he said, oh, I'm going to stop doing that side work because I'm only making this much every month. I said, I don't even make that in a month. And that was chump change to him. Like, he, he's going to stop it because that's not anything. I'm like, that's more than I make in a month. Most of my siblings make way more than I do, and a couple of them are retired. Why do I do what I do for a paycheck? No. Because the Lord called me. And I love him. After all he's done for me. There are days in ministry that get tough. Say, why do you keep going? Because if the Lord can love me and all of my, all the dumb things I do. And if he can love me, I can keep going. His love. And I believe that Paul's passion here to go again, it began because of God's love. But also, number two, I believe because of God's call on him. God called him. And that's important. The calling of God was upon his life. And that's why, that's why I tell you, and I mention it often, and I mentioned a few minutes ago, God's called me to pastor. I have no doubt about that. The gifts and calling of God are without repentance. I believe that a hundredfold. I personally don't want to do anything inside of me that hinders me from doing what God called me to do. Because if I do, I will never be happy again doing anything else 
because I know what God's called me to do. When God called me to pastor, it's the, like the last thing I wanted to do. I don't like being in front of people. I don't enjoy that. It's not something I enjoy being the guy sitting in the corner, not saying a word to anybody and smiling at people. That's me. I don't enjoy being the one talking. I don't enjoy being the one to go around to everyone and do all those things. But when God calls you, you need to do what God calls you to do. I believe that's one of the reasons why Paul wanted to get going again. The Bible tells us 2 Corinthians chapter number 4, verses 1 through 3, Therefore, seeing we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, we faint not, but have renounced the hidden things of dishonesty, not walking in craftiness, nor handling the word of God deceitfully, but by manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. If our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost. And he says, we don't faint, we keep going forward because this is what God's called us to do. And that's what we need to do if God's called you. And you say, well, God hasn't called me to be a pastor. Well, I think God's called all of us to be good Christians. I think he has. I think he's called you to be faithful to him. He's called you to go tell someone down the street about the gospel and let them hear the good news of Jesus Christ. I think he's called us to do those things. As we look here tonight and we see Paul had the passion to continue on, I believe that's because of God's love and how God's love constrained him. He had God's calling on his life, but letter B, we see here his passion to visit the brethren. We see this here. And when we look here and we think about those things, and that's how it should be. I would be, you'd be, you'd, it'd be a good thing in your heart and in your life. If you don't, a pastor missionary, someone in full-time Christian work. And we'll just use a pastor. I'm a pastor, so I can talk about a pastor, all right? A pastor should care for the souls of his church members and the believers. He should. If your pastor does not care about you and desire to help you become what God wants you to become, probably shouldn't be doing the job. Paul said these words in 2 Corinthians chapter number 11, verse 28. Besides those things which are without, and that which cometh unto me daily, the care of all the churches. And, you know, sometimes you might not see it. But how many of you have ever led someone to the Lord? He's the one who does the saving, but how many of you have ever led someone to the Lord? You have more of a burden to see that person grow than someone else does. Well, you should. You should. Because that's only the first part of the Great Commission has been completed. There's still more that has to be done. But you should have a burden for them. Same thing goes when you're pastoring. You know, we talk about, I talked about this morning, young Christians are vulnerable. Do you realize that? That's why they need the milk of the word. They need someone like a Barnabas to come alongside and say, hey, this is what the Bible says. Because if the right people don't teach the newly saved what is right, the devil's crowd will come in and suck up whatever they can. How many people have I heard that have a salvation testimony in Christ and Christ alone, but then they started going to some church, and that church taught them that unless they do this or unless they do this, then they aren't going to stay saved. And they get messed up because no one helps ground them and give them the milk of the word that we talked about this morning. 
That's why when it comes to new believers and when you lead someone in the Lord, you've got to understand something. They, and even back in Paul's day, it's even more. They didn't have the complete Bible, did they, in Paul's day? Today we have the final authority in our hands. They didn't have the final authority in their hands in full. And so Paul had a desire to go back to make sure that those believers that they led, he had a passion to go back to make sure that they were growing right in the Lord. He wanted to help them grow in those things. He thought of all those Christians, and he wondered how they were doing in the different cities and places that he had been. And we think back to Acts chapter 14, just back before here. It says in verse 21 22, And when they had preached the gospel to that city and had taught many, they returned again to Lystra and Iconium and Antioch, confirming the souls of the disciples and exhorting them to continue in the faith and that we must, through much tribulation, enter into the kingdom of God. And Paul had a strong desire to help them grow and not just leave them out there. Why would a man take and risk his life all over again? He loved the Lord. And what the Lord had done for him, how could he not go back? He was called of God. How could he not go do what God called him to do? He also remembered all those that he was able to witness to and all those that had received the Lord. And he was concerned about them and their growth in the Lord. We see number one tonight, we see Paul's passion here, and he was ready to go. We also see number two tonight, we see the division between Paul and Barnabas. Now, before we talk about the division, I believe they both agreed they needed to go. Because Paul tells them, hey, we need to go. And Barnabas says, all right, let's go and let's bring John Mark with us. So Barnabas agreed with him here on that fact. That they should go back, revisit those churches that they established. What they didn't agree on was John Mark. That's where the division came from. And a couple thoughts with that. When you think about John Mark, you got to realize, too, that he was a little near and dear to Barnabas, probably a little bit more than Paul. Because John Mark was the nephew of Barnabas. The Bible tells us in Colossians chapter number 4, verse number 10, Aristarchus, my fellow prisoner, salute you, and Marcus, sister's son to Barnabas. So Barnabas was his uncle. So couldn't you see an uncle having a little bit more of a desire to help his nephew? It's very interesting. My nephew's name is John Mark. Isn't that funny? I thought about that when I was preparing this. My, literally, his name's John Mark. And he's quite a character. He's got the red hair just like David does. And all the redheads, there's a song about redheads. I don't know what it is. There's just something in them that's just a little bit... A little bit spicy about them. I don't even know what the, I don't even know, and spicy is the right word. He could be the sweetest kid one minute, and the next minute he's Satan's brother almost. And I don't know how that happens, how it goes back. You know, like the sweet and sour sauce that you do on an egg roll or something? David's sweet and sour, that's him. One minute he's the sweetest kid, and the next minute he's, I'm like, where in the world did that come from? You just wait, Lori, till you have him in your class. The day's coming. You just wait. You've had William and Alyssa now. Wait till David gets in your class. He's going to give you a run for your money, and I can't wait for that day. And then Matthew, I don't even know what to say on that one. But we see the fact that John Mark is Barnabas' nephew. And, you know, there, there was another instance where technically Paul and Barnabas had some issues. 
The book of Galatians talks about in chapter number 2 and verse 12 and 13, for before that certain came from James, he did eat with the Gentiles, but when they were come, he would, this time about Peter, he withdrew himself and separated himself, fearing them which were of the circumcision. Verse 13, and other Jews disassembled likewise with them, insomuch that Barnabas also was carried away with their dissimulation. So Paul and Barnabas, they had, and this is the thing you need to remember tonight. I don't care how great of a Christian you are. And I would be, I would say tonight, Paul and Barnabas are both great Christians. Both of them. Great Christians that any of us in this room would love to be like. But I don't care even how great of a Christian you are, it does not mean you're always going to agree on everything that happens. A lot of times you don't even agree with yourself with things you do. And then you get mad when someone else doesn't agree with you and you don't even agree with yourself. Think on that one for a little bit. But I want you to understand something as we look at this passage and we see this, we see the fact that, look at what it says. It says, and the contention was so sharp between them that they departed asunder one from another. And so Barnabas took Mark and sailed into Cyprus. The contention was so great. You could feel the tension in the room. You could slice it with a knife, right? Have you ever heard that phrase before? But when you think about that, let's be honest. What was the problem for both of them? If we take Bible, the Bible says only by pride comes contention, right? You know why there was so much contention there? Pride. Pride. Personal belief in this passage what separated the two greatest missionaries ever this world's ever seen was pride. They could not agree on it. And I believe that there are many great things they could have done together, but we see that doesn't happen. But as we look here and we think about those facts, they disagree. Barnabas takes John Mark and he went to Cyprus. Cyprus is where Paul and Barnabas began their work. And Paul joined forces with Silas and revisited the churches in Greece. Now, do you remember when Silas came into the picture? He was told to go back from the church in Jerusalem and to go back to the church in Antioch with Paul and Barnabas personally speaking here as we look at this where are we at on time man time just flies sometimes like this morning i looked at my wife I'm like wow time got away from me today and i i feel more bad for all of you when you got to try and get in now that parking lot together and all that or the ones that are teaching class but i don't really feel too bad you should be prepared because um, you know me well enough by now so but um where was i going with that i was going somewhere my personal thought is the sovereignty of God was seen in all of this because God knew what was going to happen with Paul and Barnabas, correct? As the church followed God and tried to strive to do what God wanted them to do, God in his sovereignty, not by chance, not by luck, God in his sovereignty sent Silas back with them. So when they fought about this and argued and this happened, they had someone to go with Paul. 
and the mission work could continue. Does this mean, now, now we could go down a whole road, was this God's will? You could argue all day long about what God's will is here. I don't believe it's God's will for God's people to fight and to argue with one another. I don't believe that. But I also believe that God's will is for people to get saved and the work to continue. So in the long run, God's will is accomplished. And we know that all things, God takes all things and works them together for good. And to think about the mess that this could have been and how God used it and brought back John Mark into the fold later on. We never hear Barnabas' name again in Scripture. The last thing we hear him doing is taking John Mark and taking him under his wing and taking him to another city. How long did Barnabas live after that? We don't know. But what we know is that as Paul's getting towards the end, hey, bring John Mark. He's profitable for the ministry. That's not what he was saying right here. Who probably helped him? Barnabas did. And the work of God continued. We see the passion that Paul had to go. We see the division between Paul and Barnabas. And lastly, number three, and this is important, even though they separated, they continued. Even though they separated, they continued. Some people disagree, and the contention's so thick that they just get out of church and stop it all together. Well, that church hurt me, or this happened, all these things happen, which it, it will happen. This person was so mean to me. I'm just done with God, and I'm done with church. God's call and what God has for us to do doesn't change. Yes, there was division between these two. Yes, it was very bad division. You know, were they yelling at, were they on the church property yelling at one another and going their own way? It says it is very, there it was so sharp. And the, the, this idea of departing asunder, this is, like, this is like making a scene and leaving. This was pretty bad. This was, not, this was not good. You say, well, how could two Christians do it? Because they're human, and we all have flesh. How could I do what I did this last week? How could you do what you did this afternoon? We do because we have this flesh on. And yes, even great Christians don't do things right. And yes, they didn't handle And was this a reproach to the name? I think it was. For people on the outside to see two missionaries arguing with one another and the dissension between the two? I don't think it's right. It happened, but they continued. And that's what we need to get out of this tonight. Just continue. Hard times in ministry and serving the Lord are going to happen. But continue. Continue. As we think about the fact that they separate, but they continue letter A, we see the fact that they both remain true to Christ. And that's what really matters. Neither one of them stops serving God. And a lot of times, when someone hurts our feelings, we stop. How many times in 13 years have I had someone come to me and say, I'm done serving? Oh, you are? Why are you done? I'm done serving because so-and-so did this to me. Oh. 
which if you're in it for people to like you and to be pleased by you, that's a good reason to stop. But last time I checked, I didn't get into this thing because of you. And you're not going to get me out of this thing. God's love constrained me to serve him and to follow him. And he's called me to what I do. And I'm just going to keep going. That's why we get, so-and-so hurt me, I'm done. Really? And maybe there comes times where we might have to, you know, we go to a different church and things. And let me just tell you, some people think, oh, the grass is always greener on the other side. Why don't you just water the grass where you're at? It will be green too. Oh, pastor, you just don't know. I get it. And I get that this place, and there might be a time. And this is the thing. If God moves you somewhere, you follow the leading of God. If you leave here because someone hurt your feelings, you just need to get that right. There's a lot more I can say there, but I'm not. But I love the fact they remain true. And lastly, letter B, we're at 659. We're just about done. Paul eventually restored his relationship with John Mark. John Mark proved himself to be reliable. And may I just remind you tonight, you know that person you're thinking of that you've given up on and said, there's no way. I think that's what Paul kind of said with John Mark. There's no way this guy's going to be any good. But God wants us to continue. And he wants us, those that are mature, to help restore those that are not as mature. A thought I had, and let me just preface this before I say it. Sometimes I, as I'm going through and I'm studying, I will have thoughts. Is it a Holy Spirit-led thought, or is it Brian just thinking out loud? I don't know where it's at. And I've debated all day if I was going to make this statement tonight, and we're at the end here. One of the reasons, as I study it out, why I think that Paul might not have been so eager to help John Mark was because Paul himself wasn't mature enough yet to help him. Ye which are spiritual, restore. You say, well, Paul wasn't. No, he was spiritual. He was spiritual. But he also was a lot younger in the Lord than Barnabas was. Correct? I, Barnabas is the one who helped Paul when he got saved. Barnabas was there in Acts 4. There, I think he, was, he had been saved longer. That doesn't, longer being saved doesn't always make you a better Christian and all that. But what I'm trying to say is, could it have been that because Barnabas was a little bit more mature, he was willing to help restore? And then Paul later on, maturing in the Lord, restored the relationship. The one verse I'll have you look at, I think it's, what is it? I think it's in your notes. And we'll just end right here. 2 Timothy 4.11, after Paul says he's finished his course and kept the faith, only Luke is with me. Take Mark and bring him with thee, for he is profitable to me for the ministry. I am glad that God didn't give up on John Mark, and I'm glad that Barnabas didn't. I also know that none of us along the Christian life are perfect. And we can look in the Bible and we can analyze someone's life and who was right and who was wrong. And at the end of the day, 
is not our place to judge because God's the only one who judges. But I'll tell you this, I'm grateful for the fact that Barnabas helped John Mark and that God used John Mark. But I'm also grateful for Paul tonight. 